Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL, here with my best bud, Tim Miller, and my very good friend, Sonny Bunch, sitting in for Sarah Longwell. Guys, we've got another arrest, I guess. Arrest two. Although it's not really an arrest, because... If you get to surrender to the authorities and then not get mugshotted or fingerprinted, I mean, I have heard many people complaining about the two-tier system of justice and how, oh, we have a two-tier system. I'm thinking to myself, yes, that's right. The rich guy gets to turn himself in and doesn't even have to get mugshotted or handcuffed or any of those things. We do, in fact, have a two-tier system of justice. But I don't know, Tim, you're, you are chomping at the bit. Get out of the I've gate I've been there, arrested. Guy. Go. Uh, Mom, Mom, please fast forward this a few, uh, a few, you know, <laughs> just do a couple, click on that forward 30-second thing if you're listening, Mom. But, um, you know, I was a young man, and um, I was drinking alcohol before it was allowed, before I was of age, before I was 21. Mm. And so I wasn't, I was given a ticket for that, and I was assigned some community service, some classes, and I did like 90% of it. You know, I'm just a privileged white kid that just, I was like, yeah, I paid the fine. I did I, I did some of the community yeah, service. Good enough. I, I went to one class. I didn't like it. I didn't go to the other class. No no big deal. I kind of figured. Wrong. Uh, I ran through a stop sign. I don't know. It's kind of a BS. You know, it was a witch hunt maybe. Um, you know, I was, it was a rolling stop sign. Mm. Yeah. Stop yeah. sign, stop, stop sign, sign stop sign and, hoax. Uh, get pulled right. over. The cop comes to just give me a ticket and then he like runs my numbers and he comes back up and he's like, Will you get out of the car? And I was like, What? And apparently I had a warrant out for my arrest from not finishing the minor in possession class. Mm. And so I got taken down to the Boulder Clink. And I got to tell you, I got the mugshot, I got fingerprinted. I got put into a cell for like an hour. It wasn't that big of a deal. You know, my, my rights weren't infringed upon, but it was only a single count of what I don't believe was a, I believe it was a misdemeanor, minor in possession of alcohol. And I was, you know, in a holding cell for a while. Donald Trump was actively hiding war plan nuclear secrets from the government and was plotting <laughs> to get rid of them. And, you know, he didn't have to do any of that. So whatever. Okay. Like that. But um, it's one of those things for former presidents, I guess, get a little bit of, you know, different treatment than than the average Tim when it comes to these sorts of things. But it is it is rather, you know, galling to have to listen to just widespread whining and rending of garments about the unfair treatment that he's received. I mean, nobody's ever been treated better than this guy in history. It's going to get to be tried by the judge he appointed. <laughs> yes. The special counsel is a guy who he named as an acting U.S. attorney in his Justice Department. Right. I mean, this he is had a mob of people outside cheering. He was able to have a tried in Florida. He was able to have a little rally afterwards. You know, I, again, I just it doesn't Sonny. I don't know. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't he have been cuffed? Sonny's going to come in with his defend Chris. Sonny is a law and order man. Shouldn't he... Donald Trump have been at least handcuffed? Like, shouldn't we have had a handcuff? My my main takeaway from this is that there's a mugshot of Tim Miller floating around somewhere in the Colorado Justice database. Can I can we find that and, and make that? Your was, I, I, I bet I looked cool on, was... on the bulwark. 19 I have no idea. Is it, did it you smile? 1999. I have no idea. I've never seen it. It's never shown up in anything. I got it expunged. Um again, two-tiered system of justice. I I I was I was handled fine, but even me who got the privileged treatment by the Boulder PD, expunged record all that was treated less kindly than the former president on far far yeah. far 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 less serious breaking of our norms and rules. Yeah, I mean, the difference between you and Donald Trump is that Donald Trump turns this into a Tom DeLay-style photo op, and he's giving the thumbs up while he's holding his little name card, and he's like, I've been, I'm being oppressed by the man. You gotta, you okay, gotta support me you're thinking about the now. good part, though, but as somebody who's been inside the clink for a whole hour, let me tell you, there is a bad part. You know, you gotta sit there in the cell, there are the other guys, the drunk guys are in there with you, you know, the, the people that look a little scary. He'd be, the handcuffs. he'd be glad-handing. You, Donald you like Trump, to be handcuffed? you know, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna get you out of here. You know, I'm very, I've freed many people from prison. I'm gonna get you out of here, Joe Bob. You know, you're unjustly yeah. in prison just like me. He's gonna, he's gonna, it's, he'll turn it into a little, I don't. I mean, obviously, uh, it would be it would be very cathartic to see Donald yes. Trump do a perp walk, and you know, we don't want to confuse our own catharsis 
for what would actually be helpful to the case. I don't really care if it's helpful, and I don't really care if it's politically helpful. What I'm saying is we're just speaking about the question of is he being treated unequally or not? And the answer is yes, he's being treated very unequally in his favor. It is hard to imagine anybody else uh, having this airtight a case against him and still getting the kids' glove treatments from Fox. I will agree with that. I have to say, I'm glad he's getting the kid gloves treatment, I think. I'm glad that the the judge is somebody who has already been pre-established as kind of a MAGA lightweight. I'm glad that the special counsel, Jack Smith, chose to do this in Florida, which is a venue that he, because what you you don't want is you don't want to go through all of this and then leave the Trump apologists with obvious ways to, to say that they've been done dirty. Right. You want to make they're going to say they're done dirty no matter what. And so you want them to be reaching as far as possible for that. Yeah, I guess. But this isn't being done dirty. This is being done normal. OK, I mean, if, if this if what came out of the other side of this was the was MAGA people, uh, you know, having a changed view of the criminal justice system and feeling like maybe we should, you know, have a little bit more leniency towards people. I know that this is now really triggering Sonny, you know, towards, towards folks who, who run afoul of the law. <laughs> I mean, I wrote the Jordan Hamlet piece that people can go back and read. This guy had his door kicked down by the feds for just, you know, putting Donald Trump's social security number into a database. Like, that's all, literally all he did. Reality winner, okay, again, broke the law, but faxed a single document to a journalist, jailed. She did not have a private plane that could take her in and out of out of her arraignment. Right. She was not able to surrender on her own terms. You know, there there are plenty of examples of people who have very similar accusations against them to what the former president does at very airtight accusations who have been treated horrifically by the federal government and and by by our justice system. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. We could have a debate over over how, you know, we should be treating people who misuse classified documents. And maybe we've been too harsh on people and everyone should get the Donald Trump treatment. I'm fine with that. But to have to listen to these fuckers talk about how a woe is Donald Trump and he's being targeted. Like it's 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 insane. Timothy, I am sorry if you are hoping that this sparks a moment of introspection on the question of law and order among certain conservatives and Republicans that ship has sailed. I mean, we live in a world where they want to defund the FBI for raiding Mar-a-Lago to take back classified documents that the DOJ and the National Archives have been asking for for, for months and months and months. And that, that they want to defund the FBI, but they will defend to the death any cop who chokes out a black guy selling Lucy cigarettes. The, their Their view of law and order and supporting of law enforcement has been irrational from the start. This is why you just have to rationally be in favor of the the police doing this to everyone. If you if you want to, if you want to, if they want to kick in Donald if Mar-a-Lago, that's fine with me. I would be totally fine with that. Well, okay, uh, you don't have to convince okay, me, right? And but and that happened, and then we have to hear about how it's unfair. And Ben Shapiro, who is like supposedly, you know, on the upper echelon of you know the more serious, you know, members of the commentariat, who's not fully MAGA, he was out there on his podcast earlier this week saying that that this just shows that the politicization of the FBI and the DOJ is such that now we might need to move to a system where only Republicans can prosecute Republicans and only Democrats can prosecute Democrats. Like, that is a fucking insane take. Like, like, where was he during the civil rights era? Like, traditionally, Democrats have kind of appointed Republicans to the FBI. You know, if you go back to the Obama era, the Clinton era... You know, law, uh, law enforcement agencies were often it was often either independents or Republicans. You know, Comey famously, like who who were appointed to those positions. And this current Democratic administration, you know, there's an open investigation into Hunter. They went after uh, Henry Cuellar in Texas. There's a guy in New Jersey, the T.J. Cox. They went after Andrew Gillum. They went after and like this stuff. You know, even on the intellectual podcast, like isn't even brought up. Right. It, like like that's that isn't even that isn't even mentioned all in defense of Donald Trump, who who doesn't even offer a substantive defense of what he did. He still hasn't even put forth any like I didn't even he doesn't even like throw out there. I didn't break this law. That's not even one of the defenses. <laughs> and, and they're mad that it's unfair that he's being charged. Well, but so here's the dance. They are saying that they're mad 
but they desperately want him to be convicted because they want him to go away. But they feel the need to performatively make it look like they absolutely don't want him to be convicted. Right. And, and in a weird way, I think there's a a very correlative relationship here between the, the amount that a Republican figure wants Donald Trump to be convicted so that he will then lose possibly the nomination and go away and the amount of protestation they then feel like they have to do so that nobody can suss out what they're actually thinking. Let's just, you know, cut to the chase. Is this going to help him too, the way the Alvin Bragg indictment did? Because I, I saw a tweet from a fourth-tier conservative person today saying something like, you know, I, I have never really liked Donald Trump. I thought he was a good president. I agreed with all of his policies. And I was not going to support him in 2024. But now looking at this, I don't know that mm. I cannot support him because yeah. of the forces arrayed against him. Yeah, two parts to this. Uh, one, I do think that this this indictment, which is very strong, and like the the document that the government has put together with Donald Trump's own words saying, essentially, yeah, I broke the law. I did it. <laughs> I, I did it. And, uh, you know, I kept these documents and here they are. And, you know, I shouldn't have done this. I could have. I could have marked them as not secret. I forgot. But I didn't. But I didn't. And now and I now can't. now I've got them. And now I can't. But I still got them. I, like, it's, it's, it is so, it's so mind-blowing to read the thing. And this does actually demonstrate some of the weaknesses of the Bragg case. And you could make an argument. You could go back to Schumer killing the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees and say, like, they made a mistake by by filibustering the Supreme Court nominee, the first one. They should have done it with whatever. You could make that argument with these indictments. But I, I do not think that this indictment helps Donald Trump because it is so it is so, like, obviously damning. It doesn't help him with the general pop. It might help him marginally with the primary voters. At the very least, it doesn't hurt him with the primary voters. Because, I mean, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I like I don't think there's anything Donald Trump could do that would hurt him with, I don't know, the 40 percent base that he has. I don't think there's a single thing he could do. Literally, again, shoot somebody in uh, in the middle of Fifth Avenue. Well, his base is in 40 percent. I mean, he's polling at like 56. His floor, but I, I right? think there's I mean, like a 40 percent floor. He's probably in the 30s. Okay. Sorry, core, core. Again, I would just note that every other single Republican running would murder somebody sure. if they could sure. get to 35 percent. In the polls. So what we're what you're talking about when you say his absolute floor is a ceiling for basically everybody else who's running so far in the race. Yeah. Yeah. This goes to uh, there's a hilarious Rick Santorum quote this week. You keep tabs on old Rick um, who said uh, that he thinks that the Democrats are doing this intentionally to help Trump. The Democrats. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because, the, the, you know, this targeting of him actually boosts him. And this is a plot by the deep state. Mm. It's just like. Brief aside, and then I'll answer your question. Like the deliberate, you know, pretend idiocy of all of these like senators, like people who actually understand how indictments work, how grand juries work, like like performatively pretending as if they don't, you know, <laughs> as if it was just like Joe Biden waved his magic wand and was like, arrest this man. It's like, trust me, if Joe Biden had that wand, we'd we'd already have a few more other people arrested in addition to the former president. But that speaks to the fact that that people within the Republican Party who understand the Republican base, who don't want Donald Trump to win, think this helps him. That's an important data point. And this is what Sarah has found in her focus groups, right? Since the indictment have come down, she's done focus groups with Trump supporters who zero of them are less likely to support him now. Yeah. Several of them were much more likely to support him now. So, I mean, I, I, I think that objectively speaking, this is probably true, that it probably helps him in the primary which is not great because if he wins the primary, he then has a one in three chance of winning the presidency. Yeah, two and five. Yeah. Two, and, two five. and five. Uh, one in two. Well, again, we're going to get to this. Why some of the advertisements that are uh, being run against him. Yeah, don't skip ahead. Unelectability. Don't skip ahead. Insane. Here, yeah, sorry. I, I want to offer, and I, and I mentioned this briefly on Charlie's podcast on Friday. I don't know if I really believe this, but I'm, I don't think that we should close out the possibility that the preponderance of these things over time eventually weigh him down. And I think that there are kind of two ways to look at this, right? I, I think obviously in the short term, this helps him. And so, you know, you should probably just assume that in the long term, it helps him. And, and I think that that case is pretty easy to make. Uh, I think that, that, that the main point of that is that it makes him the central character 
of the campaign. And, and if no one's going to challenge the central character of the campaign, there's this fight between good and evil. And, you know, Donald Trump is good in the case of the primary in the primary viewers vantage point. Then why would they go somebody else? OK, now the question is, if we're getting close to the the primaries and the caucuses, and, and I think we all agree that DeSantis or someone will have an advantage over him in Iowa just because of the nature of the makeup of the Iowa caucuses. And you're getting, you have arraignments happening, you know, and he has court dates coming and his numbers are going down even more with the general pop as, as Sonny started his answer, right? Which is like, this is hurting him even more with the, you know, kind of iffy, wishy-washy general pop type, no labels, voters, right? And so his numbers are going down in those polls. He loses Iowa. He's getting arraigned again. There's a third, uh, there's a third indictment. There's a fourth, maybe. Could the weight of all of that cumulatively like, could the dam break? And I don't, I, I, I'm not sitting here predicting that, but I, I don't think that we should be totally certain that that could not happen and, you know, feel mixed feelings about these sorts of indictments because we know that there is, that it only certainly will help them because it doesn't certainly help them. Sure. Possible. <laughs> don't Anything think of anything as possible. On the other hand, he did attempt a coup, and that didn't cause point. the dam to break. Kind of a silly coup. Right. I mean, he he told several thousand people carrying weapons that they should they should run up to the Capitol and hang Mike Pence, and they did it. And the entire country watched it happen, and then the dam didn't break. Fair. So I have a hard. I mean. It could happen, right? I mean, look, that's the thing about tipping points, right? You don't know that you're going to hit them until you do. Um, but my thesis on Trump is actually, and has been for a long time, that the tipping point came early and it went in the other direction. Yeah. The tipping point actually came in the 2018 midterms when Republicans got hurt real bad and they could have started walking away from him and they decided to double down. And I think that's where, where what we got instead was into sunk cost. And so I, I think of Trump more as sunk cost fallacy than tipping point stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, I it does. That. Just one sentence before, and I'll give, I'd like to hear Sonny's take on this. My one sentence reply to that is, I agree with that among elites. But like voters, you know, do voters think about this like that, sunk cost, right? Like voters, it might be less rational. For the type of voters that we're talking about, the one, not, the, not the 35% base, but that next group that he's going to need to get him over the, over the hump. I don't know. I feel like these people have like lost friends over Trump and they've sucked it up yeah. into voting for Trump and to to have done all to have gone all that way and then abandon him now is the equivalent of saying I was wrong. People don't do that very often. I think the the more likely response is the tweet that JBL had mentioned before, which is like, I've always been kind of iffy on Trump, but now I have to support him because uh, spite. The spite vote should not be under <laughs> underappreciated. Spite voting is real. Don't sleep on spite. Spite is as powerful a motivation as exists in our current moment. Mm. Uh, and the spite vote that is real. Um, whether or not that whether or not that's good or bad for the country, I leave the people to decide. But spite is spite is a very real thing. Uh, I, I'm not about I, the I spite the, vote myself, by the way. I'm not about I'm not about the spite vote. Yeah. I mean, look, who amongst us? The only way we hit that tipping point that Tim suggests is possible. And I think it is. I mean, look, it is possible if he if he is hit with a series of indictments, if he can't go to rallies. Right. If he if he can't do TV, if he can't do general campaigning stuff because he's so busy dealing with his various legal problems. I think that 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 we might hit that tipping point if the other GOP candidates actually start attacking him on this. And that's the thing. They cannot sit back and just be like, we obviously support Donald Trump in this trying time of his, you know, his his oppression and his they the they are being so mean to him. And we obviously, you know, I pledge to what was that dumb Vivek letter he was passing around? Pledges he, to pardon him. Yeah, or the pledge. He's gonna yeah. sue the Biden administration to get exactly to get information on whether Joe Biden directed this. Let me ask you a question, Sonny. Yes. So this this is of a piece with the Rich Lowry. When the time is right, then it's a, you know, this indictment has some troubling things in it. And when the time is right, Republicans should should raise it with the people. I mean, I understand that, I guess. But can you, I mean, 
look, if you're Ron DeSantis and you have defended Donald Trump on all this stuff for six months, can you then in December, as you're bopping around Iowa, then say, oh, I've changed my mind. Trump is guilty as sin. Uh, we can't let him have the nomination because he's bad. Like, I don't know how this that works. Why, this is why when I when I read the indictment, I one thing I thought to myself was, God, I really wonder if Ron DeSantis wishes he had waited like five hours to tweet out his preemptive support. He doesn't for the president because it's it is it's well, I don't think he, he probably doesn't. He probably doesn't because he has calculated that he needs the support of he cannot look like a traitor to Donald Trump to win that base. of. I, I guess it's a calculation. I think it's probably wrong. I think you have to attack him and say, look, Donald Trump in his entire presidency talked about the importance of the sanctity of official documents. He is he does not live up to his own standards. And like, I don't know, man, voters don't care about hypocrisy anymore. We I guess we crossed that Rubicon back in 2016. Uh, but I still think you have you have to hit him on this. If you don't hit him on this, if you just say, yes, Donald Trump is great and we obviously all support him. But also I would be a good president. It's not a winning message. Loser talk. That's, that's loser shit. Yeah, I want to prove to you, Sonny, why he doesn't wish that he, he waited five hours. I don't know if you if you saw this. DeSantis leaked to uh, Phil Wegman, good reporter at the Real Clear Politics, his response to to Trump yesterday, actually, uh, after the indictment came out. And it was, he's put together a, looks like a six-point plan to fight the weaponized DOJ. Going to move the DOJ out of D.C. Yeah, we're just going to get a country lawyer to to take over. Maybe Maybe put that in Wichita. He's going to fire a bunch of the DOJ employees. He's going to put the, quote, kibosh on policing misinformation. He's going to reorganize mm. the Civil Rights Division. Wink, wink. Oh. Uh, he's going to withhold clearances as appropriate, and he's going to police local prosecutors. So that's a six-point plan. Um, just brief aside, as somebody who worked for the guy that put out the best plans in 2016, we had, you know, if, we are get, if you're getting the AEI vote, for somebody who had the most eight-point plans to solve all the things, uh, Jeb Bush and Elizabeth Warren would have been your nominees last time. People love eight-point plans. But uh, eight-point plan is not, um, not sure it's going to resonate. But that is that tells you everything about where DeSantis thinks he can go, yeah. right? It's like, no. I'm not going to wholeheartedly defend Trump, right? I'm not going to full-throatedly be like, you know, do the Vivek thing where I'm standing outside the courthouse being like, my master is being attacked, you know, like, <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, he's not going to do that. Um, but he is going to basically try to, to weave through this by, by being like, you know, Trump, you know, this is unfair and I'm going to go after the DOJ. And this is the problem with that. I think it's worth briefly mentioning that there have been a couple of green shoots over the past few days, like Ken Buck said the right thing, Don Bacon said the right thing, Pence and Haley and Scott kind of said the right thing, Asa, uh, you wrote about in the triad today, uh, JVL, Asa obviously is great on this. So there have been some people, Britt Hume even kind of sounded okay on Brett Baer. So there are some people saying the right thing, which is different from Bragg. So that's a step in the right direction. But the big names are not. And so, like, I just like that's just like a little drop. Ken Buck is just like a little drop in the lake when you've got DeSantis defending him, Vivek, you know, sort of like ringing the bell outside the courthouse. You know, you've got Fox primetime. Did you see and the Fox? Yeah. Did so you this see is the Fox? this is what I wanted to bring okay. to because it's not just the the uh, rival candidates. Yesterday, Fox ran a split screen with Biden and Trump. And this is the actual Chiron on the bottom of the screen. Wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. This is like the apex of projection, right? I mean, so Donald Trump, one of his signature things was introducing the idea into American politics that rivals ought to be arrested. This was the leading up. chance of lock her up and all of that. Donald Trump attempted a coup. A literal coup. You know, that that is what wannabe dictators do. Joe Biden, on the other hand, so far as we can tell, we have seen zero evidence that he has put any pressure on the attorney general. And the attorney general, to his enormous credit, the minute Trump declared his candidacy, the attorney general took his hands off of this and handed the entire ball of wax over to a special counsel. The Biden administration has behaved unless there is something going on that has not been exposed, exactly as they are supposed to have throughout they even this. Give, just really quick, they haven't even given the whiff of this. Like, remember the Bill Clinton 
and and what's her name airport tarmac thing i'm having a senior moment during the clinton campaign you know there's a tarmac meeting where where clinton uh, anyway they meet on the tarmac and, and I, I don't know we still don't know exactly what they discussed but that we're in the middle of these investigations right and so it just looked bad there hasn't even been one of those things. Like, like the conservative media is champing at the bit for anything, any little, like one email, one little piece of evidence that shows that Biden is trying to put his finger on the scale here. And they have nothing. They have nothing. And yet still we have, you know, the Chiron that calls him a wannabe dictator. Sonny, should Fox News be credentialed by the White House Correspondents Association? Is that is that something that a news organization would do? I, I have no idea how to answer that question because I don't I, I, I yes, I think they probably should, because I, I, I agree with that. Just to just to let you off the hook there. <laughs> I don't really understand the question there. Yes, I, I think they should. But I, like the d- despite having deranged chirons in the, you know, opi- the opinion versus the news. Do we have any news hours left? It's kind of like at the, at the edges the opinion used to be the morning and the in the late night. <laughs> and now it's like slowly but surely there's like one news hour left yeah. in the middle of the day. No, but this this again we're uh, this gets to something we're we're going to discuss in a minute here which is that there's no advertising campaign that the uh, Trump rivals can do there's no there's no messaging that the anti-Trump groups can put together that is going to do more damage to Donald Trump than Fox News can help Donald Trump with right. simple stuff like this i mean like if as long as as long as the semi-official party organ mouthpiece is saying that Donald Trump is an oppressed victim of an evil state, that he he doesn't deserve any of this, that his political enemies are out to get him, that we have to we have to fight and resist this. I don't know how you counteract that. Sonny, what do you say to people who believe that? Because they watch Fox News. Yeah. I don't talk to those people. I don't talk. Oh, to, I don't. Okay. I mean, I what's the point? <laughs> I like I generally I genuinely do not. I'm trying to rope you into the Sarah Triangle of Doom here uh, to, to see if you're on my side of it or on her side of it. That's, uh, that's all. I'm, I'm going to triangulate and say I'm in the middle of both of you guys. But I do not think that there is any way to counteract that specific thing. Now, look, I think Fox News could do the right thing and convince them that this is bad and that the only way to win the presidency is to go with Ron DeSantis. If Fox wanted to do that, that would be great. But I don't think any of the outside money coming in and trying to make that case while Fox News is like on their other shoulder saying, actually, this is this is political oppression. Yeah, I I just I want to add one more point there before we get to the ads is that um, this is kind of one of those we've never tried it things like people tell us like, oh, it might work. It might not. But like if there was one instance and, and what would have been a better instance than this, I guess, January 6th. Because um, there was a coup, as JVL's mentioned a couple times, where the facts are cut and dry, where across the board it was a unified front, you know, where where everywhere all of the media, you know, folks from Ben Shapiro to Fox, I, I don't maybe that's too much to expect from Newsmax, but like from the from the big feet, where and, and to Ron DeSantis, we're all out there saying, guys, he he botched this, he's making it easy on them. Like he is the idiot. Like, like we, if we want to beat these deep state fuckers, we gotta we gotta be smart and 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 be diligent. And this guy is a clown, and, and he did this to himself. If everyone said that, could could the weight of that get his number back down to thirty five or to to his base of forty? I don't, I don't know. We but the thing is, we'll never know, right? We'll never know because this never happens. Well, let me tell you why though. Let me tell you why because it'll hurt them more than it would hurt him. Yeah, right. Right. He can take more pain than they can. And they're already losing viewers because of the Tucker thing, right? JBL, then, what is it that you always say that politicians can only be as good as their voters? You uh, news yeah. news outlets can only be as good as their viewers will let them be. And I like I Luckily our listeners let us be great. Just let us be fucking exceptional. Jokic level. So uh, let, let's go to the ads. So, Tim, you got a piece up on uh, on Wednesday today about the new ad from the Coke Network. Sebastian, can we have that? Trump did a lot of good things as president, but this time Trump can't win. Swing voters say no. 60% of Americans don't want him. In 2024, Biden will beat Trump. We need new leadership. <laughs> Boy, hard hitting. Really go after him. He did great things, and this time he can't win, which I suppose kind of means that he did win the last time. 
and he time. did win the time before that. But now it's Why now it it's different? all different. And trust us, because we've got this this music in the background, which we pulled off a SoundCloud. And this poll of women, <laughs> independent women don't like him. That's a new piece of information that the MAGA voters don't know. They're, they've been deeply considering the thoughts of independent <gasps> women for the past eight years and what, what they're interested in. This ad is so fucking bad. And I had to write this piece because... I love I, it when you get offended as a professional. Number one, I'm offended as a professional. For, as a retired professional political operative. That's number one. Number two, I hate to be made to give advice to try to help the cuckolded Republican establishment that's trying to get rid of Trump because all of them have acted so cowardly. But here I am trying to help them, despite what Andrew Sullivan says about us. I really want Donald Trump to be beaten, and I would love to give them some tips. And I'm hoping that my old friends who secretly read the bulwark will maybe send the article to Charles Koch, I don't know if he's still, you know, reading. Uh, it's, uh, he's getting up there, but Charles Koch's people, and like maybe they can, we can shake them loose because they leaked to CNBC that they are going to be going to war with Trump. I don't know if that felt like war, war to you, mm. and and they're doing like active harm. <laughs> like the best case, the, the best case for that ad is that no MAGA voters see it. That's the best case because anybody who is potentially swingable would be turned off by that ad. It's like the indictment. It's like a tiny 15-second version of the indictment. It's like, I know who this is. I don't know if it's Karl Rove that did it, but it smells like him. And, and it's these D.C. elites that are trying to come after my man again, and they're, they're putting this pre-roll into my Facebook feed or into my YouTube feed, and I'm about to watch Steven Crowder, you know, talk about how he hates women. You know, I'm about to talk. I'm about to watch some YouTube feed, free media, right, where, where people are going to be defending Donald Trump. And before I watch it, I'm going to be made to watch this 15-second pre-roll from some limp D.C., you know, establishment cuck trying to tell me that my man can't win. They'll assume it's from DeSantis. Right. They'll, They'll assume, assume it's from DeSantis. It hurts. Too. It hurts. It doesn't, it doesn't even, there is a group of people that is persuadable by that. And that is the base, the Ron DeSantis or whoever ends up, if Ron DeSantis gets displaced, whoever that is, the number two challenger, whoever that ends up being, their base will be the people that agree with that ad already. So you don't need to run it. You don't need to pay. That will be part of the free media. That will be part of the discussion, you know, in all in there on the Wall Street Journal editorial page and, you know, on Brett Baer's show, like, like the, all like that argument will be made already. And this is not people misunderstand political ads and presidential campaigns are completely different from other campaigns. Everyone knows everything about Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. This is completely consuming them. They even talk about it on Barstool, like on sports radio. They talk about it in their in their Facebook feeds, in their lives. They are saturated with information, right? So you can run an ad like that about in a primary against a House candidate where you're like, you know, Joey, you know, Joey Smalls, like can't, you know, can't defeat the liberal Democrat that's representing you because he did these stupid things and you should vote for Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Large instead, right? Like you could, and that could maybe help, could maybe, again, that's such a limp ad. You're analyzing a New Jersey race. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that could help, but, but you cannot run a cookie cutter ad like that against Donald Trump. It's a waste of money. This is just a cash transfer from Charles Koch to whatever political consultant is building a beach house in Bethany. Like, that's all that ad is, and it's it's infuriating. And the last point I'm going to make on this is, like, there, there are two groups of people that are potentially gettable. We acknowledge that 35% base. They're the very conservative Ted Cruz voter types who, like, came along with Trump reluctantly a little bit and then really started to like him, but, like... You know, is he getting wishy-washy on abortion? Did he build the wall? Right? So you can come at him from the right. That's not enough to win. Okay, you got to win some from both of these groups. But you, but you could get you could do an ad targeting them that the Cokes don't want to do that. They don't want to be like, they're open borders, guys. You know, they don't want to run ads that are like, Donald Trump didn't build, didn't put an alligator moat in front of the wall like he promised. That that might work, okay? Or they're the soft. I'm here live at the Rio Grande. There are no alligators with freaking lasers on their Watch heads these anywhere. Guatemalans easily coming through. Donald Trump's weak fence. You know, I'm taking video of them live, okay? That could work. 
or going after the softer MAGA types who are the culture wars who are like, Ron DeSantis, whoever my man is, was much more effective than Donald Trump at sending immigrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard to own, you know, the libs, right? Like things like that, right? Like those, those are the people that are gettable in this, in this primary. The people that care about electability, that read the National Review, you know, that, that voted for Marco, like some of them might go along with Trump anyway in the end, but that's your, what your starting point. So if you're going to spend a billion dollars to try to stop Trump, don't worry about those people. Because if those people aren't with us, then the race is already lost. Okay, like that's the, that's the bottom, that's the entry level ante of trying to beat Donald Trump in a primary. You got to go expand the pie and you're a super PAC. So you don't have to worry about this boomeranging back on your candidate. So just take the fucking gloves off and go try to rip off his face or help Joe Biden if you really don't like Donald Trump. Like those are the options. Or do nothing. Just count your money. Sonny, does it matter at all that the premise of the ad is simply untrue as a factual matter? Like when when the ad says Donald Trump can't win. That is simply not true. That's that's the thing that actually drives me craziest about this ad. In addition to it just being totally like I, it's it's not it's not accurate. It's not accurate, and we know it's not accurate because he did win in 2016 and came and very close in 2020. And everybody understands how the electoral college works at this point, right? The Republican is going to have a two in five chance of winning the presidency, yeah. no matter who he is. I mean that that's what it comes down to. If you if you win the nomination, you have probably a 40 percent chance of winning the presidency, at least. I mean that's that. It, it, there, there are macro trends that matter much more than the candidate, but the candidate himself also matters. That's what drives me the craziest about this ad is because it's just wrong. As a factual matter, it is just wrong. He is very electable as he could easily win the presidency. I don't think it's necessarily likely. I wouldn't bet on it unless I was getting very good odds. Possible. But he absolutely could win the presidency. They should attack him with something that's true. The voters, this is the key point. And who knows it the most? The MAGA voters. Do you know why? Because assholes like me spent all of 2016 running ads like that, telling them Donald Trump couldn't win. And then Donald Trump ran one anyway. And they all rubbed it in our face on Facebook. They they know this already. So so it's like, we did this already. That's the other most offensive part about this. Not only do the voters know, but we tried the ads. They didn't work. Why are you running them again? This was the number one case against Donald Trump in 2016, before January 6th, before all the stuff that happened during the presidency, like like even before grab him by the pussy, right? Like all of this stuff, before all of this stuff, for months and months and months, we said he cannot win against Hillary Clinton. He cannot beat Hillary and she's a terrible candidate. We could run literally anyone else and they would win, but he's even worse. Look at the, look at the popularity numbers. Look at the approval rating. He's so bad. He can't possibly win the presidency. And he won the fucking presidency. And like, whatever, maybe it's different this time because Joe Biden is a better candidate than Hillary. I don't know. But like- The voters don't think so. The voters think Joe Biden is riddled with dementia. Yes. The MAGA voters. Here's the thing. I mean, we have undergone a- change in our mental framework for presidential elections where I just said presidential erections. That's awesome. We've undergone a change in, in how we think about these things because prior to 2016, everybody believed that you basically had to win a plurality to win the presidency and that it was possible to sneak one through the wickets in a, you know, one in a million shot where you, you know, like Al Gore, you you win by a million votes, but you don't quite get there. You're on a razor's edge with with the Electoral College. But that's not. And now the Republican Party has simply accepted that they cannot win a national majority. And so they will not try. That is not a thing the Republican Party is interested in even trying. Their entire mental framework for how to capture the presidency now relies purely on gaming the Electoral College in a way that no, that simply did not exist in American politics prior to 2016. And I think Republican voters know that, right? They've adjusted their mental framework. They don't think they need 50% plus one. They're like, yeah, we could do this shit with 46%. We just got to pack it in in like four different states and then we can we can make it happen. And that is why you wind up with the, we had a poll from CBS this week on electability asking Republican voters which candidate they think was the most electable of the nine candidates in the field. Donald Trump by a wide margin. 62% of Republican voters said that Trump would definitely beat Biden. DeSantis came in at 50% on that. 
I would say that 12 percent of Republican voters thought that Vivek would definitely beat Biden. And I thought that was the most amazing number in the poll because it shows where these people's heads are at. Well, that just at. goes to show you that any you if if you ask any question in any poll, uh, some percentage will will answer yes <laughs> or no to the obvious <laughs> yes or no question. Um, uh, well, no, I but I think part of this is that they really do believe that Biden is a drooling vegetable. I, I, I think that they they simply haven't. Nobody saw the State of the Union address, I guess, or nobody listened to his like they're not paying attention to the inflation numbers. or anything. They've just decided that the entire country hates Biden and everybody yeah. thinks just like them. So anybody's going to win, I think. All right. So let's just say at the start, Coke Network's not going to go to the mattresses for Joe Biden and run a bunch of ads for Joe Biden in the general. Okay. All right. So this is a primary. This is a primary thing. What do the actual ads that they can run? look like? I mean, we mentioned the the alligators in front of the, the wall. I mean, could they put together a package that's like, hey, you know who loves Bud Light is Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. They said lay off Anheuser-Busch, but we don't believe you should lay off. I mean, like, what is the actual line of attack here on Donald Trump? I, I just I don't I, I spent an hour thinking about this this morning before the before this. And I cannot imagine a line of attack that actually works in an advertising campaign. That they would be willing it's to do. It's possible there isn't one. But I would like for them to at least try things that could work rather than things that have been obviously debunked. The thing that jumps to mind for me, and, and you'd want to do a lot of market research on this. I have a, a friend um, who is doing this research. So maybe next week I can have a report back on, on what they have to say. But um, the thing that jumps to mind for me is that when we were doing RVAP, like the number one thing that Sarah... And, you know, because I came a little bit later when she was doing the market research ahead of Arvet starting. The number one thing that she learned from talking to the voters and from, from polling was that they recoil at being told what to do by Republican elites. They do not like them. They do not care. Endorsements from Paul, you know, and this seems obvious now, but like less obvious then. Like getting prominent Republicans to say, I will not support Donald Trump actually maybe hurt more than helped, Right. Like that, the research just showed they do not want to be lectured to by the DC class. And that's how we ended up with the RVAP strategy, right? Of Republican voters, real people explaining, you know, to their peers why they were going to, you know, not vote for Trump. I, so to me, I would try to go with like a much more aggro version of that and like find, I, there are plenty of people like go to the border. You know, find people in Texas and Arizona who are MAGA, you know, who are like, Donald Trump said that he was going to fix this. It's worse than ever. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like, the, or you know, have a video of where the wall got stopped and be like, and have a fucking dude in a MAGA hat being like, I was promised this. He didn't do it. Like DeSantis is doing shit. Whoever else, you know, Brian, whoever the person is, right? Now, this takes work, right? You don't just write a check to a consultant in DC who puts together something on iMovie, you know, puts a little music behind it and then gets to take a 10% cut, right? You got to actually do the work of finding <laughs> the people, going there, doing the videos, yeah. culture war stuff. Like that's, that is where I would go. I mean, I, I think that his, the Fauci thing is maybe workable. The failures, again, this, uh, but, but who the messenger is, it's possible this isn't workable and you have to do completely off the radar stuff. I voted for Donald Trump and then right. Fauci shut down my restaurant. Yeah, that sort of thing. I'm open to the fact, by the way, that that wouldn't work, but at yeah. least it'd be trying, which is my point. At least it isn't a waste of the money. I don't believe any of these things can work. And the reason is because the Cokes, are why the Republican voters chose Trump yep. in 2016. Because they don't like the Koch's view of the world. They don't like the Chamber of Commerce Republican Party. They don't like compassionate conservatism. The Kochs literally, as you said, Tim, want open borders because the Kochs are big capitalists who want to like make the labor pool as large as possible and drive down wages and, you know, good for businesses and all that. And the Republican voters fucking hate those people. And that's why they went out and got Trump. And so those people are not going to be able to convince the, the Trump voters to dump Trump for their guy again. There's a fundamental problem there. I think that's probably right. And by the way, this speaks to the one other point. We're going, we're going long. Already good show, long show. We've got, we got more material. But um, just one other point on this because it's, it's, a, it's a related topic. There was an article this week. I forget. I apologize to the journalists because I forget who wrote it. But it was about how Democrats are scared of the other candidates besides Trump. And it like quoted all these anonymous Democratic strategists being like, boy, Nikki, like the re this was exposed to me because Nikki Haley's campaign manager, who I follow, tweeted like Democrat strategists 
freaked out by Nikki Haley, running scared about running Nikki. Running scared and, about and Nikki. Like, whoever that strategist is, is just as stupid as the Republican strategist running the Coke ad. Because I am not only is the Coke ad wrong, I'm fundamentally unconvinced that a Nikki Haley would have a better chance because Trump wouldn't be allowed to run third party. But, but the, there is a from that 35 percent cult base, a certain percentage of those people are not going to vote for Nikki Haley. They just will not. And they are overrepresented in the states that you need to game on the electoral college. Right. Yeah. And so she gets back some of the some of that on the Georgia, Bur Atlanta burbs and stuff. So I, I don't think it's a cut and dry case. But but to to act like oh I'm running scared you know that that is scarier especially with who the unknown of Donald Trump being out there potentially shit talking them right I I don't think there's any reason to think that any of the other candidates besides Trump are clearly more electable than him I, like it's it's false in that in that sense as well this is one of the like key facts about 2016 that I don't know that we've all or I don't know that a lot of people have necessarily internalized, which is that Donald Trump wound up being a much better candidate than we all expected because he activated a different type of voter, right? Like that they is- have an electoral mm -hmm. advantage. And I think Tim's 100% right that I think that that voter who turned out for Donald Trump does not turn out for Nikki Haley, does not necessarily turn out for anybody else except for maybe Ron DeSantis. I think DeSantis has kind of tapped yeah, into that, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we had other stuff, but we're going to table it because it's been a, a very long show. But we have to give Tim a moment to celebrate because the Denver Nuggets are the champions of the world. I hope you're not buying that horrible T-shirt that they put out. People, before you turn off, I'm about to give you some life lessons. All right. During the, the JVL triad, you know, sports is about life. You know, I'm about to go. I'm about to go there for you. Number one, mm, I'm just so happy. Boy, is it. I'm so happy about the Nuggets. Um, it is my long suffering fandom. And, um, you know, I was I was digging through old pictures of me and my brother going to camps, you know, to try to get autographs from long lost nuggets you guys have never heard of, like Antonio McDice and like finding all of our old useless, you know, cards. Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I wore the Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf jersey. I wore that jersey to the champ. Yeah, uh, it was did. a good cup. People liked it. I wore that to the uh, finals game. So it felt really good. I went to game one with my brother. It was it was emotional walking in there. The first NBA finals game ever mm. uh, in 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 Denver. They they handled the heat easily in five games. And so it was was very enjoyable. It was an enjoyable Monday night. I've watched all the content. I've consumed an unbelievable amount of content about the Nuggets uh, over the past 48 hours. But uh, what I wanted to share with people is is just two little anecdotes. So just warm your heart. The first one is is about our the best NBA player in the world, Nikola Jokic. Uh, Nikola Jokic was a fat kid from Serbia who was drafted in the second round, um, I think the 41st pick uh, in the second round during a Taco Bell quesarito commercial. They didn't even show the, the pick. Um, he came over. He was overweight. People didn't understand it. He was a bench player, but he just had this magical touch, this beautiful ability to pass and to shoot around the rim. And he was a water polo player, so to tip rebounds to himself. Unlike anybody else, he comes forth to become the the best player in the league. You know, he is just degraded and insulted. Everyone on ESPN for like a year is just like, he's going to get exposed in the playoffs. He can't play defense. You know, he's not athletic traditionally. Here's what he said in the, the press conference after. This is, this is uh, you know, something about dealing with success well. Oh, this you know, line yeah, is so you, good. This is dealing with success oh, well. So good. Um, he said, if you want to be successful, you need the bad. Then you need to be good. Then when you're good, you need to fail. Then when you fail, you're going to figure it out. I mean, after winning the NBA Finals, just the clarity, the, the Yogi Berra Serbian simplicity of that, um, a person who said that he was kind of a little disappointed he had to stay till Thursday for the parade because he wants to get back to Serbia with his family. He keeps his wife's wedding ring on his shoes. You know, he also said that there are other important things in his life besides basketball. That he's happy, but there's other important things. I mean, this is just, you can learn so much from him. Not everyone's going to have his just wonderful historic skill. Did you watch him walking around the court seeking out everybody from the Miami bench, every last assistant coach after the end of the finals? Yeah, before he celebrated, shook everybody's hand, and he brings his one-year-old child out. I mean, this is just a beautiful human being. It's what everyone says they want from sportsmanship. And then it's like, oh, well, we can't make him a superstar because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the uh, star quality that, st that these other guys do. Yeah. OK, whatever. He doesn't um, have the chiseled abs. Let me ask you a question about him. Is he the second coming of Larry Bird because his passing 
and court sense feel bird-like. He's got a bunch of other stuff that Bird didn't have, including size and a handle and stuff like that. But his sense of the court and his sense of the game are uncanny in that way. He's like kind of all the 80s players in one, which is why I don't understand why the old guys don't like him. Like he's got a bit of magic. Like he can, he, he goes the full length of the court like magic can uh, is yeah. throwing the oops, like the old Lake Show Lakers. Um, he has the bird, bird's touch. Uh, his stat lines are very similar to birds in a lot of ways besides the rebounding. And he's also got big old Moses Malone kind of rebounding like peak Moses. Like he's all three of those guys in one. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing to watch. First player to ever lead the playoffs in scoring assists and rebounds. I just want to mention one other guy, Aaron Gordon. You might not have heard of him. I was watching his postgame content. Uh, he was drafted fourth. He's the opposite of Jokic. He's beautiful. You know, you could put him on a billboard in Times Square shirtless, you know, and the gays and the women would be kind of like fanning themselves. <laughs> he was like the top of his class always, you know, and he was, he was drafted in the top five. And he goes to Orlando. The team's terrible. He's the best player on a terrible team because he looks like a pretty boy and because he wins the slam dunk contest and because he was kind of a ball hog on a terrible team. He gets all the stereotypical like, oh, he's selfish. He's one of these guys. He's never going to win. He's not a winner. He gets traded to the Nuggets where he's the fourth option, not the second, not the third. He's the fourth option on the team. And he accepts a role where he defends the best player. He defended LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Jimmy Butler in back-to-back rounds. And he shut them all down. Uh, All he does on offense is set picks for Jokic and just take lobs and do dunks. Like, he doesn't have to do anything else, really, on offense. He's just the best defensive guy on the team. He plays into his role. After the game, this guy who was, like, called the prima donna, like, just can't help himself. He starts crying, like, on live TV, like, talking about how he's always wanted to be in a role like this. He's always wanted to be part of a team, be, be a winner. Like, he always wanted to, you know, to be with other guys and not have you know, to, you know, to have just the glory for himself. He was like the eighth person interviewed, you know, he didn't get interviewed on stage and yet he still was so happy after the game. uh, I've put this on my Twitter. If you want to go see us, he is shirtless dancing on the streets of Denver with all the nerdy white guys and their micro brews, like in the middle of them, just like jumping up in the air, walking home from the stadium to his loft. Pretty good stuff. It was pretty magical. And it was like all the good stuff about sports in one. Fantastic. Uh, Sonny, thank you for being here in Sarah's place so that Tim could do that without her falling asleep. That was very nice. Very kind of you. Uh, Guys, good show. Long show. Peace. Go Nuggets. We'll see you next week.